listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. What's up, everyone? Welcome to our ninth episode of our House Hack Masterminds podcast series. My name is Ben Einspar, your host. So real quick for the listeners, you might have noticed that we've put a pause on the podcast, but there's a reason for that. We have a lot of cool stuff coming in the pipeline in 2022. And that's just with house hacking in general. So we're fine tuning our house hacking courses. We're doing fine tuning our house hacking coaching. Diana and I just started a house hacking meetup that's all about house hacking. And then also a house hacking summit, an all day event that Denver's never seen before, all about house hacking. I'm super pumped for it. So now to get in introducing my guest, Chris Lopez. How's it going, man? Good, man. What's up? Loving it. Loving it. A little while since I've been in the hot seat, but I'm pumped. I'm pumped uh-huh. for it. Like riding back. You're back in there. You're good. <laughs> you you got that right. All right. So to introduce our first guest, we got Steven Witkowski. So Steven realized after purchasing his first uh after his friend purchased his primary residence, he realized he could purchase a property for five percent down. Then shortly after that, he purchased his first house hack. Yeah. No, pleasure to be here. Thanks, guys, for the invite. Um, excited to be here, like like you just read. Um, you know, I know I always wanted to get into real estate. I actually moved out in Denver um, about less than a year ago. Um, I think it was January last year and talking to my buddy. Um, he obviously moved from the East Coast as well. And we started talking about the uh, investment property bought in Aurora. And he was like, yeah, man, I only had to throw down 5%. On top of that, he had some other loans because uh, it was a first time home buyer. So he ended up putting like 12 grand down um, for a house. And I was like, this is insanity. How do I do this? Got in contact with Chris. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Lauren. She also was a huge part of it. Yep. Um, not a big reader. Read your book, and now I'm a mastermind. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Love it. I love it. I love it. So, how many books have you read cover to cover? Would you uh, say I would be go with one. one. <laughs> there you go. And that, that's a perfect plug. Our book made the list. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, no. I've really like never read a book cover to cover, um, and that was my first one. So when I, anyone asks, like, "Hey, how'd you get into it? Like, this is crazy." I'm like, "It's really not that hard. Just <laughs> it's really not that hard. Just dedicate some time to reading this one book, and then you know, it everything else will come in uh, in waves." Absolutely, man. Expand your network. And yeah, exactly. Perfect. Everyone's gone through. Same thing you have. So yeah. everyone's experienced challenges you had. So you just ask around. Yeah. And like my, I, I talked to my dad about it all the time. Cause he was, uh, um, he helped me out a lot, you know, setting up the house and he's like, dude, you're going to learn as you go. You're going to make mistakes. Just don't make the big ones. So love that. yeah, I love that. So I forgot to ask. So give me a quick rundown of your current house hack right now to paint a picture for the listeners, why it's a great house hack for you and maybe the location. Yeah. I think the location is kind of the big thing. When I moved here about a year ago, I moved to Arvada, pretty close to old town, you know, outside the city, but have, you know, a a good nightlife in, um, old town Arvada. So, um, all my buddies are still, uh, at our old apartment complex. So I wanted to get something near there, but, uh, you know, talking about the house, it's a, um, uh, a single family home. They call it mother-in-law suites. So it's two, there's two different units. Mm-hmm. There's two beds, two baths up top, two beds, one bath below. 
separate entrance, nice backyard, um, and a cool landlord. <laughs> also a great plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're going to do long uh, rent that out on 12 monthly? Yeah, 12 month. You know, my biggest thing is I'm trying to do this every, um, you know, I'm going to try to do this. You know, Chris and myself talked about it. Like, hey, why don't you try to do this in the next three or four years while you have no tie downs, whatever yep, it is. So I'm going to try to do it again in September. I think we hit it right with at least my perspective when we were looking, I felt like the market was kind of because people wanted to enjoy their summer, you know? So I got this house in about like a week and a half. We closed on it since going in, you know, doing all this stuff. Like I said, Lauren is awesome. She's a rock star. Yeah, rock star. She's the best. So she helped me out a lot. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I told her that I was like, Hey, you know, well, I need you <laughs> to yeah. take over here because I have no idea what I'm doing, but she was a huge help. I love it. I yeah. love it. All right. Yeah. Next to our second guest is Vince Arena. Uh, Vince stumbled into real estate investing about three years ago while living in Philly and ended up doing a live and flip after selling the property and moving to Denver, realizing the true power of real estate investment and bought his current property and been house hacking by renting a separate income suite out as a short-term rental. What's up, Vince? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I've listened to tons of these, so it's awesome to finally be a guest and contribute a little bit to the podcast. Yeah, awesome, man. Thanks for being on. So let's hear about your your house hack. It's a townhome, is that correct? That's right, yeah. So uh, listeners probably don't know, but I'm actually in the same co complex as Ben, um, so we're neighbors. Right on. Um, so we have really similar uh, units. Um, the only thing is Ben has an end unit, which I'm jealous that he was able to get <laughs> that P for me. Um, but anyway, so it is technically, it's a three bed, three and a half bath. Um, but it's separated into the first floor is an in-law suite. So basically a uh, separate, uh, bedroom, bathroom, separate entrance. Um, it's got a small little, uh, it's like a kitchenette. Um, and so I've been renting that, that out on Airbnb, um, since I bought the property. Yeah. How's that? So how's it going for you? What, like, what made you choose Airbnb? Um, you know, really I was thinking about the best use for the space and it's kind of like an awkward size. It's not big enough that really I would ever see anyone wanting to rent it on a long-term basis. Um, so it was really making the best of the unit that I had, but also I think the income from the Airbnb, I mean, if I was to rent it as a one bedroom, it probably would be about a thousand dollars a month. Yep. And with, uh, the Airbnb, um, doubling that pretty much every month. So, oh, yeah. you know, just the added income for minimal work uh, is worth it. So additional $1,000 a month. Uh, how many hours do you think you spend working and actively oper working operations of your Airbnb? After it was set up, maybe two hours a month, an hour a month. I mean, it, it's really minimal. Yeah. Really, really minimal. That's that's impressive, man. I like that. Yeah. So you're you're managing it but you're not doing the turns yourself right is that that's right okay yep. so i've got a cleaner that ben set me up with um cindy she's awesome um and she handles everything for me the linens everything so i don't do a single thing i just text her when it or i don't even text her i just shoot her the schedule every month um and i i pay her and that's pretty much it okay and then yeah. all the other front end stuff you set that up you've got it pretty automated with the auto chat bots and all that stuff people do in Airbnb. Exactly. Yeah. So pretty much everything is automated. I have it set up so that if guests meet a certain threshold, they don't even have to ask me to book the place. They can just go ahead and book the place. Threshold uh, for like for like their... reviews and okay. how many times they've rented a place, that kind of thing. So basically no one basically if a guest doesn't have any reviews or if they're I think 
have it set up that if they're under like a certain like positive review threshold that they have to confirm with me before they book the place. Okay. Otherwise, as long as they have a few stays under their belt, um, they can just go ahead and book the place without me having to do anything for it. Nice. I like that. I've never, is that through the Airbnb website? It is. Yeah. It's just a like setting that. that, that you can dial in for auto, for instant book. Yeah. 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 I was going to ask like, is there a reason why you did Airbnb instead of like VRBO? I know there's multiple sites that you could do it on. Is that kind of the most advanced to what you're you're trying to do? You know, that's a great question. Um, I didn't really put much thought into it other than I've used Airbnb as a guest before yeah. and thought it was a pretty good platform. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's some ways to list it on both. Um, I'll probably do that in the future. Okay. Um, I just haven't done that yet. Yeah. No, I, I like that. Um, so to... What I liked when you guys sent in topics is you sent in very similar topics. Um, it was both about how to maximize your return after moving out and also what to do next, what works best when we move out. And and a quick, I guess, for the listeners is what, my, what answer I give will be different than what Steven gives and what Steven gives will be different than what Vince gives because... We all have different W-2 jobs of some are more time consuming than others. Some have more time and some people just have different goals with real estate investing and house hacking. So that just something to keep in mind when we go through this on, on suggestions. Um, so to dive into Ste- um, Steven first, you are, let me find it. Um, Wanting to like your, so when are you going to, what is your timeline when you're wanting to go to house hack number two? Yeah. So, you say? I mean, you know, ideally as soon as possible. So the 12 months, you know, uh, I'm 25 right now, so I got time, you know, oh, yeah. and, and trying to build up, um, you know, accruing properties, whatever it is. And, you know, this was a really good opportunity just to learn through a lot of stuff. I mean, the dishwasher took, I mean, not the dishwasher. What was it? The dryer. We, I screwed up so bad on the dryer and it ended up taking a month and a half because I got the wrong size. Then I got the wrong dishwasher and then it wouldn't fit in the room. So it was this huge thing. So just learning as I go, you know, maybe measure Maybe heard measure twice, cut once. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I didn't do that at all. <laughs> well, that's how you learn. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, between on the call with Lowe's and my pops, trying to figure out all this stuff, um, I learned a lot in this first house hack. And obviously, I'm still learning a lot, but, um, you know, probably 12 months. And my biggest thing is, you know, I grind all day in software sales. Okay. I don't really have a lot of time to do real estate. Um, so, my biggest thing is how do I, you know, obviously maximize what I'm purchasing now so I don't have to have a day job in 15, 20 years, whatever it is, okay. right? Um, so that's my biggest thing. And, you know, I know I talked to you about it and then I talked to Lauren about it and she was like, hey, just do this continuously for the next three or four years and go, you know, go with the flow and figure out what makes sense moving forward. But for a three to five year plan, probably buy a house every 12 months. Okay. Maybe, you know, that's why I, you know, having these conversations, it's like a mountain house, you know, is that more lucrative? Does that make more sense? Okay. I like to ski, you know, is there, uh, you know, Airbnbs hearing success stories with that? Um, Cause there's so many different ways you can go through 
this whole thing. And I feel like learning from others is the best way to do it. So, so the kind of the, the over the main question there, I make sure I understand this is just, you know, thinking forward, you know, five to 15 years in the future. Hey, you're, you're now you're 25 yeah. house act one under your belt. You have, you know, you, you work hard at your job, but that's what you want to do for the next 40 years life. How do you, you know, do that, but successfully parlay that into real estate investing. So in the near future, you got some options, right? Yeah. Near future, 15, 20 So years. what's your current plan right now? Before um, I chime with my two cents. Five years is buy a house every year. Okay. 12 months, just save as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm not trying to put too much time into real estate, like I said yep. before, because um, I don't have a lot of time. And, you know, obviously I have a day job. Uh, you know, I like to ski and do stuff on the weekends, travel, just got back from Costa Rica. I don't know if you're here for that, but no, I didn't hear that. <laughs> a little jealous. So I'm not in Denver a lot, you know, I'm traveling all the time and I don't really have a lot of time to put into the real estate. So that's kind of my question to you guys is, you know, this model, the best way to do it for a house every year, accrue properties, and then reassess maybe when I'm 30. So from a high level, I think, yes. Yeah. I mean, cause like, you know, you, look at the the big picture things of where you're at a point in your life where, you know, you are able to move around. Um, you don't have family or kids or a bunch of obligations or anything like that. Say, so, you know, be nomad, move around every single year and <clears throat> focus on the owner occupant financing, the 5% down that you can do all day long as you buy properties. Like to me, that's just like the baseline, just like a lot of people, Hey, you, you put in, you know, a thousand bucks a month, your 401k and just say, hey, that's future retirement. House hacking, nomading, while it's not like super cool or sexy, um, <laughs> it just, it gets the job done. Yeah. So like I would make that like your foundational thing because okay. you went on the financing, you went on the leverage, and it's about, I would say, probably the easiest type of investment you can make because it's just, it's very simple. Yeah. So it doesn't take much experience and take a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of time to go out there and find the property or also go out there and operate it. Now, of course, you do Airbnb, might take more time, but that's where you can judge along the way. And, you know, the, uh, you know, a thousand dollars a month in cash flow is not going to be like have a make or break impact on your wealth 10 or 15 years down the road. It's having a, you know, half million dollar asset or $600,000 asset that's going to appreciate and give you a lot more future rent growth. So I think using that as your core strategy is by far the no brainer. Okay. Stick with it. Um, and as you go through a look at different areas, different properties and, you know, everything like that, I would, you know, keep talking with your lender and don't always assume that always has to be 12 months on the mark. Sometimes depending on certain situations, you can move in a little bit sooner. Um, there's, there's, I don't want to commit to anything, but always, yeah. it's always worth talking to lender because we have clients who, Hey, they moved at month nine okay. and there are some circumstances that allow them to do it. Yeah. So it's always worth to have a conversation like sooner with the lender. If I can't think about this, like what are my options? Yeah. Cause you can move in at month nine or month 10. Hey, got a couple months. Great. Not a big deal, but just get it done and move on with the next thing. It works well for your life. And as you're doing all that, like, you know, be opportunistic for opportunities on like, hey, if your time frees up or you learn more real estate, you know, more, you start having more cash, what can I do with it? Yeah. Uh, but make that your foundational thing. And I would have the intent that, you know, as you buy like these properties now, you know, and really and probably starting in maybe three years, the market stays strong like it is, you know, three to five years, you'll start having opportunities to potentially go out there and pull equity out of your property. Um, you know, one of those chapters in the house hacking book, I talked about the first house hack I bought 10 or 12 years ago, I bought for 0% down. And then, you know, nine years later, I sold it and trade up to fourplex. That fourplex makes me way more money, Yeah, but I got like 
80%, 90% of the down payment that fourplex from that house hack I bought. So, you know, you're accumulating. And I would say with someone like you, where you're, you know, long-term planning, you're busy, really stay focused on how to uh, optimize your equity in there. Because a lot of people don't do that. And that can just go from, hey, one door to four doors yeah. pretty quickly. And that's just something that's very hard to do from just, hey, you can save up a quarter million dollars, go out there and buy a fourplex, or you can sell a place in five years and 1031, then bring in $30,000, make up the difference. Like, keep that in mind for that like that uh, that equity trade up in the future okay. or a cash out refi or a HELOC, however makes sense. Yeah. Um, but extract that equity while you're, you know, younger, um, and then use that to accumulate more properties. And every time you do that, you get more experience, your life changes, your net worth changes, and you can start going from there. But just buy, take action, have that path and be opportunistic as you go along. And uh, looking at, you know, the next five years and looking at, you know, that base model, do you want more doors like a duplex that I have now where it's, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's all based on the house and what the spreadsheet looks like, obviously, but should I aim towards trying to get those duplexes and those mother-in-law suites to have more doors right off the bat? Um, I don't think that's going to be like a, a, a make or break okay. for you. I mean, I would say generally, yes, because you can usually get more cash flow out of there. Yeah. Um, but we know with the way like the Denver market's going, we all know we're seeing huge appreciation increases. We're seeing huge rent increases right now. Like that's going to really build the wealth, whether you buy a normal house or you buy a house with a mother-in-law suite. Yeah. You know, in 10 years, you're just going to have a lot of equity in both. Okay. Um, if it fits where you like, you like the mother-in-law suites and it's a good lifestyle fit for you, absolutely do. Because you'll just be able to, you know, milk out more rental income while you're living there. Mm-hmm have a little more privacy, which is always nice. Yeah. And then when you move out, you should be able to make more rental income from having you know, additional living spaces, whether it's two units or just, hey, rent out four bedrooms to everyone, but you can uh, command more rent because there's two kitchens and two living spaces. So it's a little more private than a standard room by room rental. Gotcha. So not a, not a must have, but if you can, I would do it. Yeah. Or, you know, like a townhouse like these guys have, you know, they got the new build townhouse. We're seeing more with like a, a mother-in-law suite or Airbnb in there. Those are really cool options out too. Yeah. Right. If you see a townhouse come on the market with that separate income suite, they don't come on that often, but I would say definitely jump on it because they're great. They're set up, they're ready to go. Yeah. Low maintenance. And it's, it's a great, you don't, it's a great long-term investment and it's, it's awesome. I don't know. What, what do you think about that Ben? to your house? Yeah, I mean, um, it's something that I had never thought of, uh, about until Preston came to me and was like, hey, man, look, the market for the duplexes right now is red hot. We're not having much luck with it. Preston and I had written probably five or so offers on places before um, he brought me this townhome. He's Were like, they all duplexes? Uh, multifamily. Okay. So anywhere yeah. from two to four. But, oh, cool. Okay. Um, there actually, there was one... There was one um, with an in-law suite in there that we had tried to get, and it popped on the market. And um, in two hours, it had seventeen offers or something like that wow. on it. Something crazy. I mean, this was this was like this was in January of last year. So yeah. when the market was at its like absolute peak and so hot. Um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, as far as the maintenance goes, it's been no maintenance at all. And this is a big difference for me coming from, you know, a live and flip where I was, yeah. uh, you know, basically I was living in a construction zone. Um, and now, you know, the no maintenance fa factor is really nice. And that's part of what contributes to me putting in literally two hours a month, uh, with managing the Airbnb is that there's nothing to fix right now, at least. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's the meme I keep in mind too, Stephen. You just said, hey, you travel, you're busy, yeah. real estate's not your main focus. Yeah. Um, new builds, keep that in the back of your mind because those are, as been saying, they're, you know, knock on wood, they're fairly low maintenance the first, you know, five, seven years. Yeah. You, you have three beds, three mm -hmm. baths, three and a half baths, and yeah. a separate unit, like a separate entrance for the, the below unit. That's right. Yeah. So, so there's like the main, or so there's like a small door for like the upper levels and then there's a sliding door for the airbnb unit okay um so it's nice they're totally separate and i have the option there's a door that connects both of them so i have the option if i have friends and family over like for example for christmas this year uh we're having our family over for christmas so i have the airbnb blocked off for those nights and i'll open the door and it'll feel just like you know a three-bedroom house charging uh, double the rent of course <laughs> yeah. so is that a door like the interior door at the bottom of the stairs it is yeah okay. yeah um, but it's not like a interior door. It's actually an exterior door. So it's really heavy. It's soundproof. Um, so it's nice from, from Oh, nice. Aspect. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And is there a specific part of town that they have a lot of this stuff? I know you said Wheat Ridge. Is there anything that you guys see a lot of? Um, I think the, I, I, I don't know about the new built townhomes, but just single family homes with that separate income suite. I see them a lot in the, the Lakewood the Lakewood, Wheat Ridge, and Arvada area, okay. that kind of corridor, yeah. that's where I've, I see most of them pop up. And those are great areas for uh, short-term rentals and medium-term rentals yeah. as well. And I've also noticed that uh, in Berkeley and Sloan's, there's a lot of those as well, but they're yes. not new builds. They're older. They're, you know, the Denver Square that has a, you know, basement yeah. unit, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so that's actually a few of the properties I tried to put offers in on when I was working with Preston. Um, and just didn't have any luck because everyone else wants them to. Yep. Yeah. And that west side of town, the, like that west northwest side of town. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've done, geez, I mean, we've done I mean, a handful of the new built townhomes, like the mother-in-law suites in there as well. Mm -hmm. And we've seen them kind of the same areas. And I think that's more so just because that's where a lot of the de development is for the townhomes. But we've seen them, Arvada, Wheat Ridge, Sloan's Lake, for like new built townhomes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, assuming everything will be similar, that's where like a lot of the new builds with that inventory is going and the existing inventory, for whatever reason, that's just the way the layouts were. And a lot of places have been converted over the years on that side of town. We see way more there than like an Aurora or down South. Yeah. And for me, I mean, that's why I know where I want to be on the West side of town, um, just cause skiing and getting to the mountains, all that stuff. But um, what's the average price for homes like that or townhomes like that? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, I paid four ninety nine for oh, wow. mine, um, and actually, so Ben, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a development of townhomes like less than a quarter mile from us. Very similar layout, floor plan, finishes, everything like that. They're starting at six hundred thousand. Wow. Um, so it seems like they've already gone up a lot. So yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you really for any like the mother in law suite places, you'll be. I mean. 500,000 plus right now, yeah. kind of the, as the the floor on a new builds, they're 500 to 700,000. We've seen a couple of like really nice ones, like depending on how much you want to go, like there have been some really nice places, existing inventory, new ones in like 800, 900,000 range. They've actually been better numbers. Yeah. Because you know, like a better cash on cash return just because they can command such higher rent. Mm -hmm. But you get into like a higher down payment, jumbo loan territory. So it starts to become a little bit different. Um and that's from that's like the location, like somewhere in Low High, or is that just like bigger townhomes? No, more location, like okay. like the West, like Sloan's Lake, Highlands, okay. you know, pushing yeah. out that way where it's just hey, the hot area yeah. for rentals, hot areas for homes. Okay. Uh we've We've done a handful of house acts this year, and they've been like a higher price point, but they've been really, really solid numbers. Sweet. And they've been amazing locations. Yeah. 
No, I mean, it's nice to hear that you don't have to put any work in, in two hours a month. I mean, I think I can manage that. <laughs> what was the setup time, though, for that? Like, you, like, you know, you're, it's running now. Mm-hmm. What would yeah. you the ballpark like time and just money costs for setting, setting your place up? Yeah. So cost wise, I spend about $5,000 um, to outfit the place. Um, and part of that is because it's a small space. So I wanted to make sure that I was putting high quality finishes in it. So I spent a lot of money on a nice Murphy bed that actually took a while to get. So I actually didn't start renting the place until August, basically, mm-hmm. because the Murphy bed took forever to get. Jeez. And, and yeah, it took a while. Um, in hindsight, knowing what I know now, how long the lead times were, <laughs> I probably would have tried to find something that was in stock or whatever. But Either way, you know, live and learn on that. Um, but yeah, setup time, you know, I probably spent, you know, well, I had to build a Murphy bed and that took ages uh, too. But, you know, probably- Like 50, build it or put it together? Put it together. So it so it came in- Something like Kia nightmare. I mean, yeah, basically. Yeah, pretty much. It was, uh, it was something else. I mean, it, it basically, it got dropped off on a liftgate truck in a bunch of crates and I had to build it over the course of a couple of days. Uh, with my girlfriend just shaking her head and being like, you're an idiot the whole time. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah. To put it in perspective, that's your furnishing cost was $5,000, right? That's right. That's right on point to what our furnishing cost was because we did the same thing. We have a Murphy bed because I knew that long-term it's going to be a great rental and I want to focus on possibly even going to medium term. So then having the option for them to fold up the Murphy bed and have a have a, like a fold up, like a fold up workspace that they can work a little yeah. bit more working space as well. Trying to plan out that, mm-hmm. but um, that Murphy bed was about for us was about half of the furnishing cost. So you yeah. could ideally furnish for under twenty five hundred dollars. Oh yeah, I mean you could have done it's it for t- a lot less. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted so to bring that less. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that's kind of why I touched on you know. It being a smaller space, wanted to put nicer finishes in it. Um, so yeah, I mean, my space again, it's pretty small. So guests fold the Murphy bed up all the time, and you know, use that. You know, I've had plenty of guests want to just do like at home workouts and that kind of stuff on the TV. So they fold it up, they roll out their yoga mat and that kind of thing. They have plenty of space to do that, but it's only possible with a Murphy bed. If you just had a standard bed, like our neighbor Jen has a standard bed in there, um, you wouldn't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So five k in investments. What about time investment? How many hours would you ballpark? With everything from planning to putting stuff together. Probably probably 20 or so hours doing all that. Okay. So, you know, not a ton of time. Um, And it was spread out over, you know, it was spread out over a few months too. It wasn't like I took 20 hours. Yeah, it wasn't like I took 20 hours out of my week and did it. It's like, you know, I bought the place, we got settled in, I developed a plan for the Airbnb and, you know, just over time bought things for it, got it all set up, got it listed, that kind of thing. So one thing you said in there, this is just a good reminder for, you know, all the listeners out there, whether you're currently house hacking or getting into one is like, you know, you talked about, you bought the place in March, you're going to up and running until August. Obviously there's opportunity cost on there. Of course. We have a lot of clients who have done similar things and like, you know, everyone starts out with the intention, I'm going to get this done myself. I'm going to DIY to save a few bucks, mm-hmm. but make sure you're taking the opportunity cost because like, great, we got clients, great. You're doing the work yourself, but it takes your product market for four months. Well, if you just hired a contractor for, yeah, three times the cost, but it was done in three weeks. Totally. Make sure just for everyone out there, do that opportunity cost because I can make the case, get it done quicker, rent it out. A lot of times that's the the best path forward. Yeah, totally. My average profit is $1,800 a month. So, you know, if I got it running in, you know, four months earlier, how much money is that? I mean, that's, you know, I'm not good at mental math. Seven grand. Yeah, seven grand, grand. something like that. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of money. And that's during peak season too. 
you know, I mean, that's $1,800 a month average, but I mean, it's been falling off as we go into, you know, a little bit of like off season, um, you know, during August and September, it was much more than that. Yeah. With the mass mandate, maybe, you know, coming last week, do you see a decline in some people coming? I mean, it's ski season, so probably not, but I didn't know if that was something that you're worried about going forward. I mean, it's always something that's in the back of my mind, um, but I haven't been able to time any sort of seasonality with it or like anything where it's like, oh, you know, the mass mandate is in effect, less people come to Denver, but I also haven't been doing it for long enough. You know, if I had a year or two of data, that'd be a lot easier to, you know, see. So you'll, I've been doing it for over two, almost three years, and you'll, you typically see October through February, it, it dips. However, if you're doing your pricing right, your pricing for Airbnb should fluctuate about 40%. So for example, let's say summer, um, your price for a Saturday, let's say in the middle of July, could be 120 bucks. This is this is for, for my low one bedroom, one, one bath space. Could be 120 bucks. However, middle of November, where not much is going on, our Tuesday and our Wednesday, we have at like 80 bucks however we have we also put in there a discount so then so then viewers or potential guests see a discount and when they see a discount they click on my listing and my listing's awesome so of course after they click in it they're in my funnel they book okay that's just a little quick that's tip. a great tip yeah that's i guess a great my question tip. is is like how do you go about doing all those calculations and stuff like that are you doing that manually or is that something that um you know you can expedite that's, and- that's an excellent question yeah. and so I have, I, I, a couple things is, um, I'm trying to think is we, I, I look at it at once a week, my wife and I were, we operate this as a business, no matter what, however you look at it, what we're doing is a business. So we, that's how we look at it. And we each have our, our roles and responsibilities. So once a week, um, we have a newborn as well. So that, that throws in a lot of it. So house hacking with a family is absolutely 100% possible. Um, but going back is once a week on Sundays, typically at nine o'clock, I have a Google calendar invite. I live by my calendar now. That's that's what manages my my day, work and personal. Is So then on on, on like Sunday at nine o'clock, we, we first, we look at our Revada rental. How's that doing? We look at our Omaha rental. How's that doing? Upcoming maintenance, what's going on? And this take, typically takes maybe an hour, but we're folding laundry and multitasking at the same time. And then we also look at where are we at? What's our occupancy at? What's our competition at? Where should we be? And we make adjustments accordingly. So on average, we make adjustments maybe once a week. Maybe sometimes I'll jump in there without asking my wife and just change it. And she gets, <laughs> I, I thought we just talked about that. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we, cause that's her role, right? Doesn't she kind of more manage that? Or, um, cause I think you guys have very we, defined we do. roles. Um, that's, that's kind of on both. It's, is primary her role, but I do when I, when I start doing research and I find new strategies for maintaining high occupancy during slow seasons, I want to implement them ASAP. So I make a little changes and in theory, I should consult her, but, I was, I just wanted to do that. Don't take that advice. (laughs) So what's up, Ben? Sorry. I was going to say, I do things a little bit differently than Ben. Um, I use an automated tool called price labs. Um, and so they have an algorithm that basically it, it ties into your Airbnb calendar. You set the parameters for it. So you give them a minimum rate you're willing to accept. You can set a maximum rate, but 
I don't know why you would. Um, and you can set like a base price and everything is calculated off the base price, um, your bookings, uh, the bookings in the area. So it automatically tailors the price for me. Okay. So I don't even set prices for it anymore. I just let Price Labs do its work. I check in every now and again to make sure I'm not leaving money on the table, yeah. um, which I do think you do with Airbnb's tool. So they have a tool as well. They do smart pricing as well, but it's optimized to get them as many transactions as they can. So their transaction fees and their revenue is higher, um, but it's not necessarily looking out for you. Okay. So when I was using their tool, I noticed that it was like $50 a night during the middle of the summer. No, 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 that's not like, that's not reasonable. That's way too low. So um, with Price Labs, you have a lot more control of that and it's optimized to get you the most money rather than get Airbnb the most money. Cool. Yeah, Airbnb is just, well, Airbnb wants butts and seats. Yeah. They want most occupancy, so they don't care. But that's why, I don't look at the Airbnb smart pricing because they're looking out for themselves. I want to look out for my profit. And I know that after doing this year, I, I know I'm confident. I know what one bedroom, one baths in Wheat Ridge in my area in Arvada also go for. So we can, we can manage it. And, um, and like you said about the mass mandate, I don't think that really has anything, yeah, anything to do with it. People still travel for work, it's yeah. family. It's okay. I don't see cool. anything with that. Um, and then I wanted to go back. You mentioned multifamilies. As Vince did a great job of, he was looking for multifamilies. If we look at all the people that close with Envision, maybe 10 to 15% close on multifamilies yeah. because there's a lot less inventory and a lot more competition. And typically, because now investors are trying to get that. Um, and they also take some maintenance as well. So that's why for you, it just stick with something that you're good at. Um, be consistent. And even if it's 12 months or even if it goes into 18 months, as long as you're consistent, real estate is a for very forgiving asset in the long term. So stay consistent while you can because when a family comes down, maybe five, 10, two years down the road, your time becomes more valuable. Yeah. And it and it it it's it's a lot more work, I guess. Makes sense. Yeah. I guess your next plan are you trying to go the townhouse? townhouse thing and i guess where do you go after you leave the uh you know uh, you leave the place are you going to airbnb that one place and then rent out the top yeah so it's actually a question that i've been trying to figure out um so i so my plan for my next property is i'd like to buy a house on the west side of town um chris and i talked about this a little bit uh, a few weeks back um and i want to buy a place on the west side of town that has an adu like a specific adu not a not a mother-in-law suite i want ideally like you know a main house and a garage with an adu above it um i want to be in denver proper and the reason why i want to do that is because uh with the rules are regarding short-term rentals in Denver. It has to be your primary residence. Um, and so because of that, there's not tons of Airbnbs in Denver. So they command a much higher price. Um, so my thought is that if I was in Denver um, with an ADU, I could rent out the ADU as an Airbnb because it's my primary residence and get a lot higher price for it. You know, So that's my strategy next. Um, now, the only thing that I'm questioning is what do I do with my current house? Yeah. You know, How do I transition that? and make the most money possible, you know, and balance that with how much work is involved in it as well. So there's a lot of different options with the way our house is set up um, and trying to work through that right now. Yeah, so let's talk about those options. You have continue short-term uh, renting out the the income suite on Airbnb as a short-term rental or even bumping that up to 
uh, medium term rental, so 30 days or greater, yep. you can Airbnb the entire thing. But mm -hmm. as we mentioned, one of um, our other neighbors in the area is planning on doing that shortly, which will give you a great idea of what type of revenue you can generate for Airbnb and the whole property. However, you're not maximizing the value of the property, which has its own separate income suite. Mm -hmm. Or um, just rent the whole thing out on a 12 month lease, which my opinion would be the least amount of headache mm -hmm. or not head the least amount of work. So you can focus on your, your time or not your time, your demanding job. Mm -hmm. Um, but you'll see a little bit less, less, um, revenue, uh, less revenue. Yes. So have you, have you ran, I'm curious what, like what comps you've ran yeah. for that. Yeah. So I took a look at it a few different ways. So I took a look at it from renting the whole place out long-term 12 month lease, your standard lease. I looked at it from renting it as a two bedroom, um, you know, the upstairs unit and then short-term renting the downstairs unit on Airbnb. Um, and then I looked at it as renting the whole place out on Airbnb. So three different options. Um, and essentially the way it broke out to was if I, um, rented it out under a standard 12 month lease, I would just break even or maybe negatively cash flow. Um, I was trying to get a better idea of rental comps in the area. Um, I've been using rentometer to figure out, you know, kind of what prices are in the area. And it's a pretty wide range in Wheat Ridge. You see everything from like $2,000 for, you know, a four bed all the way up to there's new um, places on 38th that are two bedroom um, units that are renting for $2,600 or $2,700 a month. Um, so pretty big spread there. Um, but I figured a safe number for um, a 12 month lease would be like $2,800 a month for a mm -hmm. three bed, three bath there. And so after factoring in, everything, you know, uh, your, your CapEx, your vacancy, all that kind of stuff, figure just about breaking even on that. Um, if I was to Airbnb it out, the estimates that I was getting from price labs, which, um, aren't as accurate as doing like an air DNA re report, that's about $3,900 a month in profit. Um, so in cash flow, that ends up being about $15,000 a year in cash flow, uh, for me. And then if I was to split it up and do, um, long-term on the top and short-term on the bottom, it's actually just about $15,000 in cash flow as well, uh, breaking up that. So those two are about the same? This, about the same. Okay. Yeah. And one's a lot more work. So which one's a lot more work? Yeah. So I actually think, do you think is the more work? Yeah. So I think the splitting the unit up and 12 month lease mm -hmm. on the top and short term on the bottom would be more work. Um, you'd get a lot more tenant complaints. It'd be like managing a small multifamily mm -hmm. from the standpoint of, you know, you have to worry about noise. You have to worry about people upstairs having parties, people downstairs having parties, making the other neighbors, um, you know, yeah, I, I think it's a lot more work from that standpoint. I agree. And if your if your number is about the same, are you crossing that one off the list? I think or so. bottom of the list, at least. It's 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 bottom of the list. Unless I see some numbers that really change my mind, like unless you get me an air DNA report that says, hey, you're leaving money on the table by doing it the other way, I think to me that's bottom of the list. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we'll get those reports and see what they say. Cool. Um I'm disagreeing with both of you guys. Oh, oh right, what are you gonna say? <laughs> so uh first first thing, what type of um guests do you do you generate for eight months or like if if you rent out a place on airbnb for eight, that can hold about eight to nine people what type of people do you attract 
Well, I'd like to think that it's families coming to spend time in Denver, but uh, based on, you know, the way you're looking at me, it's probably a lot of people trying to have parties. I don't know. I'm just asking the question. Well, the only times I've seen Airbnbs with more than seven people have been like bachelor parties or like guys trips. Yeah, those those are a little more rowdier than like the trips with the family. That's true. (laughs) So then then that's something you have to keep in keep in mind the furnishing and then working with the cleaner. But then your option of kind of breaking up into a duplex in in the form of a single family home. That's kind of our strategy and my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. So the key is everything is preventable. If you, if you look at it on how do I like, how do I proactively figure it's no, like, I know what the problem is. How can I fix that? Mm-hmm. You, when you, you have the option to choose who you want to live in your property. We chose someone and we were very upfront in our, our Vata rental. Cause that's what we're doing. We're doing, uh, Airbnb, medium term rental, and the mother in law and uh, family in the main unit. But we told them we were, we were very upfront, like, hey, there's going to be people coming out. We'll definitely introduce you and connect you with them. Will this be an issue? And they're very like, they're like, no, that's cool because we gave them a little bit of a discounted rent as well. Gotcha. I got a funny story, and maybe it applies to this or doesn't. We just rented a house in Costa Rica and okay. they were like, hey, no parties. Well, it was six guys and they had an amazing speaker system outside with a pool. Like, what do you expect? So <laughs> we got calls like three different days at three out of the 10 days. And it was just like, Hey, you guys need to be a little bit quieter. It's like, well, what do you expect putting these speaker systems outside yeah. with an amazing pool? All here? right. So I'm not going to rent to you guys. Yeah, well, <laughs> the rent to I'm just saying, you know, no, but that's a good point. You have to set yeah. the environment. Like, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't yeah. say no exactly. parties and have like a Thompson go out there and crank <laughs> next to the bar outside. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's a good point too. So, but, but going back to it, there, there's no right. Like, obviously, we see a perfect example of my answer is completely different from it's just what works best for vents. Yeah. And that's what you need to look on. And that's what, because it's a long term game. You don't want to get burnout early on and see what, so what you can do and scale your portfolio to create systems and in general, what, what will create the least amount of work so you can focus on your work, your family and growing your portfolio long-term. See, I come back to like, I, I agree with you there, but I come back to just the more leases, the more headaches. You have two leases versus one or two types of tenants, just that just it, more communication, more stuff, more stuff to deal with. Like every time more leases, just there's more issues to deal with. I, I can't disagree with you at all. Yeah. I can't, di- I agree with you. Yeah. Um, why we choose it is we're good at one bedroom, one bath, Airbnbs. That's yeah. what we're good at. And or and that's why we stick with it and that's what we like. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's awesome about you is like you found your niche and you know, you really stick to that. Um I don't really know what mine is yet, right? I mean, I've only Perfect. done, you know, I've only done two deals and uh you know, I'm looking to do a third here soon, but I think everything about investing in real estate is really cool and I kind of want to, you know, see what I like. I kind of want to use, you know, my early years to kind of, you know, not really throw things at the wall and see what sticks, but just to kind of see, you know, do a couple of different deals and see what I end up being good at or passionate about. Um, you know, I've done the flip thing and it's cool, but I was, you know, I was doing the work. I wasn't managing or I wasn't managing a contractor doing it. I was doing all the work myself, which is not a sustainable thing for me to do. Um, so, you know, I know that that's not for me, at least doing it myself. Maybe I'll try a couple, you know, where I'm managing the contractors, but, you know, also with the short-term rentals, I don't really know what's for me yet. So, yeah. um, kind of want to see, you know, try a few different things out. 
And you brought up a good point there, kind of going back to one of your first questions, Stephen, just, you know, how to, you know, how to kind of work towards your long-term goal. And as you figure out the niche, like Ben has his niche, you figure out your systems and what that does, it kind of gets you in your space and the, your ability to make quick decisions. Like I, I'm a big believer in, hey, figure out your systems, figure out your guardrails, stick into them and just go with it because the the speed they can make decisions at yeah. um, and the amount of time and mental stress that reduces is huge. While it doesn't show up on a spreadsheet, if I can spend 10 hours buying this next property versus 100 hours buying the next property, it doesn't show up on my spreadsheet, but that 90 hours, there's opportunity cost to me there. And not just that, I'm one of those people, if I have a thing I'm, I'm noodling on, I will wake up at 2 a.m. Yeah. and then I can't fall back to sleep and it's horrible. And that every year that becomes more and more valuable to me to not have to deal with that on regards to the problem, whether it's personal, business, investing, I like to not do that. Yeah, I guess my other question, and that popped up a good question for me, like, and to go back on that point of what you're looking for renters, all that stuff. Right now with your Airbnb, mm -hmm. the way you're doing it, do you have a lot of noise and corruption from those Airbnb people that are renting from you? So it's, I don't see it, like, I don't hear them often. Okay. But what I worry about is them hearing me. Yeah. Right. So I have had some messages saying, you know, hey, you know, you guys have some pretty heavy feet, that kind of thing. And part of it is you've got a big dog and, you know, big feet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That. And, you know, we're up early. Like me and my girlfriend, we get up at five every morning. So yeah. we're up early, you know, making coffee, making noise, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I don't want similar issues where I start getting negative reviews on Airbnb because the property is too noisy because there's people upstairs who are living their life. And I mean, you can't blame them for that. I mean, they're not doing anything wrong. They're just, you know, living their life and yeah. making noise. Yeah. So, so that, so I was mentioning, you know, a problem, something preventable is what we do have that same thing is we have, we have a newborn that, that, is loud at night mm -hmm. and so in our one in our welcome message or no no no, not our welcome message right when they book with us one thing we uh, identify and let them know is hey we have a newborn that's running around learning the new world so you may hear um you may hear some noise and for some for you is just let them know hey we get up at five in the morning you may hear us um just keep that in mind we have a dog as well yeah do you see anyone cancel after they get that message no Really? No, we're just up. We're just open, like set yeah. expectations up front. Like yeah. You just yeah. got to set expectations okay. because yes. sometimes, sometimes your place may not be the best for them. Maybe they, they think it's a little bigger and they're wanting to spend more time or privacy. And it's maybe a couple that wants their own space. So y your place isn't sometimes best for everyone. But the biggest thing is, is, um, letting them know expectations up front and and doing what you can prevent it in your messaging and communication auto messaging or yes does price labs do auto message messaging they don't but i do that all through the airbnb perfect app. yeah okay. so you set me up with the messages that you send to all all the guests i put my spin on all those messages perfect. oh yeah made things really easy good yeah really really easy good i like that that's cool man i, I like the whole airbnb thing and how easy it is for you i mean whenever i think of airbnb i think it's a nightmare so no i mean hear that I'm a fan of it. Uh, I actually just uh, can't convince one of my buddies to Airbnb his place. Um, he took a seasonal job in Washington for the winter and he has a lease on an apartment um, and he's going to rent that out on Airbnb with the blessing from his landlord. The landlord was like, yeah, go for it as long as you pay me rent every month. So he's doing that. Here in now. Denver? He's yeah. Here. Oh, yeah. Cool. yeah, here nice. in Denver. 
Um, so he took a job. He's going to be working uh, as a filmer for a ski movie company um, out in Washington for the whole winter. So he has a lease and he's like, well, what should I do with it? I told him to rent it out on Airbnb. I shared some of the tips that Ben gave me and uh, he's got it set up. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how it does for him. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so well, crit- oh, go ahead. I'm going to say we got, we got a few minutes left. That's I know I got the clock over here. Yeah. I was going to ask how much time we have left. About five minutes. All right. So we have five minutes left. Is there any other questions that we didn't get to or something you want to bring up in the last last few minutes? I mean, I think we touched on everything that I wanted to to talk about. Um, what's the, know, Steven, what about you? What's the contact for your Airbnb lady? I, I need to get that before I leave. We'll send it. We'll, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll send it. We have a couple. We have a couple others. Uh, so, so cleaners and Airbnb are like the most prote- protective asset I've gathered from every Airbnb <laughs> landlord and property manager I talk to. Yeah. So you'll have to. Uh, you'll get that offline. I imagine yeah, that's okay. uh, that's their version of like the handyman or contractor, the cleaner. That's like the critical part of Airbnb. So yeah, I don't think we should right. that publicly. That's <laughs> a good clean. A good thorough cleaner makes or breaks your airbnb because cleanliness now with everything going on is huge yeah and for you not to worry about hey is there a hair in the sink did they forget something the piece like chris said the peace of mind so mm-hmm. a good cleaner is worth is worth its money and the fact that it's all automated like they have your schedule they're doing everything so i mean i haven't actually gotten a tenant in i like i said i have three or four people looking at it today i think for this house that i have right now it makes sense to do a longer term mm-hmm you know, just yeah. for this, but I like the idea of, Hey, there's a lot of townhomes, you know, maybe closer to the city, something like Sloan's Lake. I really like that area. You know, maybe that's something I can look into and pick your brain about next house hack. Yeah. For your next house hack. Yeah. I think it's an awesome, yeah. awesome thing to do. I mean, at the end of the day, I pay $400 a month to live in a brand new build in Wheat Ridge. I mean, it's Bad. pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's, it's really nice. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, really that's great. not bad. And, and uh, you know, I actually have the option. Um, one of the features of, of my mortgage, which is one of the reasons why I went with it after a year, I can call them and ask them to recast the mortgage and they'll look at the current value of the house based on how much money I have into it. And they'll drop the PMI early if I hit 78% loan to value with no fees or anything like that. Wow. So that'll be another $200 a month. So, um, you know, if I was going to stay there, I'd be living in Wheat Ridge for $200 a month in a brand new townhome. So not right. bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Oh yeah. So one thing, cause I kind of, you know, obviously a big part of like the podcast, you know, it's all locals. You guys know it's all mm-hmm. about networking. Um, so if you want to get you guys, your contact details shared, hopefully facilitate your networking, all that. And Vince, I know you've got some other long-term plans for kind of getting some bigger, like multifamily yeah. value yeah, adds. Uh, maybe some development or syndications, you know, a bit more medium term goals, if I recall. So definitely yeah. talk about that and throw it out there to start to help facilitate that, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. So um, first of all, if anyone wants to contact me and talk about their short term rental or how to set it up or anything like that, I'd be more than happy to talk with anyone uh, about it. I think uh, it's a lot of fun talking uh, about these kinds of things. So if any of the listeners want to get in touch, um, all my contact info, I guess, will be in the show notes or something like that. Is that how that works? Absolutely. Yeah. We'll get so, it taken care of. Yeah. Um, and as far as medium and long-term goals for me, um, I really want to branch out and start investing in larger multifamily. Um, so, you know, bigger like than- Like five plus, not yeah, commercial. Five, not commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, five plus units, um, something that I really want to get into. Um, 
I really am interested in people who take land and repurpose it and develop it as well. So um, we bought our townhomes, Ben and I bought our townhomes from a builder who took one lot in Wheat Ridge and put six really nice townhomes on it. I mean, really, really nice townhomes. Um, and that's something that interests me a lot as well. I've got a friend who does the same thing, but with, you know, really large, big places in the Highlands. He takes, you know, he takes lots in the Highlands and develops gorgeous houses on it. And I think that's something that as an investor is, fascinating. And I'd really like to learn more about that as well. Um, so yeah, those are two things that I really want to learn more about and dive into and hopefully be a part of in the future here. And that can definitely be something like, you know, um, you know as you're kind of getting to house act number two in Sloan's Lake or West side of Denver is, you know, the zoning over there is often favorable to where you can, you know, pay get rid of the house, put up a duplex one day, mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, one of your exit strategies for this next place you buy, yeah. maybe development play, either you doing it or getting a couple par parcels next to you on there. Yeah. Like that's a very common, and that, that's an amazing strategy to do in that part of town. Yeah, that's something that's in the back of my mind when I'm looking at these places. You know, maybe I got a place that's not as nice, but, and you know, I live in it for a few years and then tear it down and build something nice on the land afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Steven, what's the best way for people to hold of you or uh, yeah. what, what can be good networking for you? No, I mean, this is awesome. I mean, uh, like I said before, the reason why I got into this was a success story with my buddy and just hearing success stories and hearing other people that have similar aspirations um, that, you know, achieve their goals through uh, doing it a different way is awesome. So um, I'll give you my number, my email, uh, LinkedIn, you know, I'm in sales, so I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, no. Feel free to reach out to me, text me, whatever it is. I'm excited to you know meet more people in the Denver house hacking community and hear more success stories. So I figure out what's the best way to go about you know my next move. All right, I got one final question for you too before I wrap up here. Who's running a chapter in the 2022 investment strategy guide? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm only three months in. I don't care. <laughs> uh, I wrote mine closing on my first one. <laughs> it's all about. There's yeah. no time limit. There's no experience level limit on there. But uh, just help grease the wheels. It is an amazing way to help clarify what you want to do, actually having to write it down yeah. and then publicly share it. Mm -hmm. um, so I would. I'm gonna plant that seed with you guys because I I'm a big believer in like you know goal setting, yeah. but then writing down goals and publicly sharing is just kind of dumping some gas on the fire. Um, and I people say, oh, I'm I'm brand new, I'm three months in. It doesn't matter. This is for you to set your goals and even hey, great, you're you know you're up that first two two steps. Mm -hmm. There's people at step zero that can learn a lot of information yeah. while you're at step two. So don't let that the your being a newer person hold you back on there. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I've thought about, um, but well, please do know. it. All right. <laughs> I mean, I'm in like total solicitation mode right now. So, yeah. so do it and listeners out there do it as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Well, awesome guys. I appreciate you coming in, taking your time out of your busy day to come chat with us. It's been, it's been fun. Yes. Ben, great job. You got back in the host seat, no problem. And Ben did mention uh, a lot of projects work on the beginning. We'll have a lot more details coming out of that in the near future, but we got lots of really cool stuff coming out to provide more value to our clients, more value to the investing community. So stay tuned because our goal is always to get better, provide more value. And that's the plan. See you guys next podcast. Thanks. Thanks.